Did you know that the 4th of July is on a Thursday this year? That's going to be a full weekend of fun out on the deck. Four days. But if your deck isn't what it used to be and you aren't using it for great family gatherings, you need to call my friends at All Weather Decks. All Weather Decks is a 24-time winner of the Angie Super Service Award. And they probably help one of your neighbors. Click on the map link at allweatherdecks.net. Call All Weather Decks today at 913-206-1974 or go to allweatherdecks.net and mention you heard it on 810. Call now and relax. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Stephen St. John, Nate Bucati, Jake Gutierrez, Laser the Intern, and former Chiefs wide receiver Mark Bowrichter. Mark, good morning. How are you? I'm excellent. Nice work on the music, Jake. Phil Collins' birthday today, by the way. Oh, happy birthday. 73. Legend. The Chiefs won. Did they? Yep. Chiefs oh. win. Yes, they did. I was aware they won. I just, you know, ho hum. We're going back to the Super Bowl for the first time, or for the fourth time in five years. Not bad, huh? What did you hashtag uh, blessed, right, Stephen? Before the game even started, what did you think of Kadarius Tony's IG live? Well, <laughs> that uh, that happened live during the Central Bank pregame show. By the way, in the morning, um, interesting, very interesting. I'll just say that. Oh, you got to say more than that. Well, I will. I will. <laughs> um, here's, we kind of talked about this at the end of my appearance here last week, but I don't know if there's a lot of people around that have followed the Chiefs, right, that thought when he's been on the injury report or inactive for the last six weeks that it was injury-related necessarily. Correct. Okay. I will also say this. Guys are all dealing with nagging stuff down the stretch, things like that. But, um, so I'm not going to say he's not hurt. I'm not going to say he he is hurt. I don't know. I'm not in that building. Uh, but, you know, when the New England game happened and another ball goes off his hands for an interception and all of a sudden he doesn't play in five weeks, it doesn't take much to connect all the dots, right, On in certain, in certain areas. Again, not to say he doesn't have nagging stuff and he's on the injury report. But I thought it was an interesting choice on the morning of the AFC Championship game to, to go out and say these things. Um, but then again, you know, there's a track record here. Do you think it was with, a good choice? No, not at all. Okay, first of all, you know, I think you should be counting your blessings that you didn't get cut to begin with, okay? That that this organization, Andy Reid is a head coach, is going to protect his players, right? Always has. Going to give them the benefit of the doubt on a lot of stuff and and stand by those guys. And and they, they've stood by you through all this piece. Um, so I think it's incredibly selfish uh, to do that. And then, but there's a track record here with him, even dating back to the Giants of whether he was hurt, whether he wasn't hurt. Right back, that there was a whole piece before the Chiefs traded for him on things. Um, so you know, it's one of those situations. I don't know what to believe. I, I think it was a poor choice in his in his aspect of stuff. And now you've put the organization in a sense who, whether they protected you or not, you know, basically guaranteed you another five game checks and then in the playoffs everybody gets paid the same right on things and so now it's going to be interesting to me as a former player and as a fan and everything else of what do you do now with him here over the next two weeks 
because we all know you want to eliminate the amount of distractions, and this two weeks is the most media attention that's ever going to be out there, right, on all this stuff. And the most overanalyzed game <laughs> every single year is the Super Bowl because you have two weeks to talk about it. You're going to break down every single stat. You're going to break down every single thing that goes on, every injury, every quote, every soundbite, everything that's out there. And and what do you want to do to eliminate that distraction? Like, how do you handle that? You know, um, there's several ways they can. They can address it internally and keep him away from the media like they normally do anyway on stuff and just let it be and figure out what the talking points are going to be if somebody asks them over the next couple weeks on what, what that is. Um, they could cut him uh, or they could suspend him. You know, for conduct detrimental to the team based on, you know, if you're not ready to cut him yet on that, and then he's suspended. Um, so, I, I, again, there's a couple, there's several different options here, right, that they can do with it. It's, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say what they should do because I'm not the one that needs to handle that. I mean, pretty much bogus. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, I've got confidence they'll address it and, and figure out a way to get past it. But, you know, this hasn't hit – it's just now starting to hit this morning nationally a little bit more. Like, it did on, on Sunday, but yesterday was filled with analysis of both of those games, right? Who's going to the Super Bowl, who's not. Kind of gets swept under the rug a little bit, and now it's going to start coming out here even more so and get blown up. Yeah, because we got two weeks to – what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yes, the national exactly. media has two weeks to pick through every exactly. single storyline exactly. they can. There's no reason to have him on the team anymore. I, I mean, look, I don't think there is. I don't think there is. You don't want him in Vegas? Well, team. that's another aspect of it, okay? <laughs> like, do you want to take a disgruntled player to that, you know, that, that kind of thing? That's that's the other aspect of that. Because, now, if you cut him or suspend him, he could go on his own out there or something too, right? Like, there's, you're not going to be able to control him on things. But that is the other aspect of stuff. Just At this point, you just want to eliminate as many distractions as you have. This team has been pretty good over the years of, of trying to eliminate distractions for the most part. So it's interesting to see how the Chiefs handled the uh, the issues at wide receiver because you had a few different guys that, that struggled quite a bit in the regular season. Sky Moore is uh, he's designated to come back from IR, but it doesn't look like he's going to make it back, so he's kind of been mm-hmm. Kadarius Tony'd. Um <laughs> Kadarius Tony is. We've talked about this. How the Chiefs handled that. Um, after his two fumble game, McCole Hardman had one offensive snap and one special team snap. Yep. So that was taken care of. Yep. MVS, who did have two big catches in this last game against Buffalo, sixty-seven of eighty-one snaps. They never really let up on MVS. They continued to believe in him and put him out there. They they did not continue to put McCall Harmon out there. They did not continue to put Sky Moore out there. They did not continue to put Kadarius Tony out there. And it pays off with the sensational pass and catch from Mahomes to MVS to seal the deal. Mm-hmm. What, what do you take away from that? Well... <clears throat> 
my takeaways are is I've been telling you guys all year, right? Like this is the receiving core they've got, and they're going to go to war with these guys in a sense, or go play. Some I, I shouldn't compare it to war, but I think you know they made a, a, a decision around that New England game time frame. By and and obviously Kadarius Tony did this by you know the ball going off his hands for another interception. But I think Patrick Mahomes went in and said, "Okay, we got to find a rotation here, guys. It works. Like we we got to stop playing all these guys." And they gave all these guys a lot of opportunities to try to step up and be the guy. And part of that, as I've said before, is the Chiefs' fault and their PR side of things all summer long leading into the offseason about Kadarius Tony can be a number one wide receiver. Sky Moore is going to take a step forward in the second year, right? Like they, they had that narrative all through the through the offseason. We've talked about that. And they tried to fit that they they tried to fit that square peg into a round hole for much of the yeah, year. Yeah, and it wasn't that they were trying to you know validate it. I think it was like, hey, we really thought these guys were going to take that step, and they didn't. And they got to a point and said, oh, and, and obviously MBS has had his troubles. We've talked about all that uh, all year long. But I've said this for the last couple of weeks: the guys that you are going to play, and when whatever those guys are, you decide to play, are going to have to make a play for you in the playoffs. They're going to have to. And we've now seen in back-to-back weeks where MBS has caught the football, that or three weeks actually of the playoffs, when he's been called upon. Um, you're getting one or two catches from Justin Watson a game. You're getting one or two catches from Noah Gray a game. Uh, Blake Bell, I don't know if he's got to catch it in the postseason or not, but like my point is, you're getting you're getting contributions for from guys. You don't need those guys to have a five or six catch game. You just need the one or two, and you need them to make the play when they're called upon. And they've done that in the playoffs, and that was the difference in the regular season. And I've said this since that Philadelphia game, and you guys know this that. You make a couple of those catches here, there, and a lot of these other games in the regular season were different, right, on yeah. how things went, potentially. And right now they're making those plays. And I do believe at some point they came around that New England time frame and right before, I think they put Sky Moore on IR around that time too, said, okay, <clears throat> we have got to go with these guys. And less snaps for all, like, let's stop spreading the snaps out and trying to get these guys – Involved in the game, and the emergence of Rasheed Rice has certainly helped that. And said, "Okay, these are the guys we know we got to get the football to. The rest of you understand your role that you're you're going to maybe get two to four targets a game. The Justin Watsons of the world, the Noah Grays of the world, and when you're called upon, you got to make those plays. That's all we're asking you to do. And they've embraced that. Uh, they've embraced the running game a little bit more, and it's been working." Yeah, I mean that's. I, I was thinking back to the things we were saying because, for me, it was the the Raiders game, and we heard Andy Reid talking yeah, about it earlier. Yeah. In terms of, th- I remember going on the air the next morning and saying, "I'll never rule out Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in the playoffs." Absolutely, <laughs> but I feel like I'll be surprised if they make a run this year because this team finally. I'm just accepting that these wide receivers will let him down. Yeah. They, they will continue to let him down over and over again, and they just don't seem to have some of the other things. But we talked about, okay, if, if they are going to make a run, how does it happen? And it was like they got to embrace who they are and understand that they can lean on their defense. They don't have to try to make as many big plays so they can be more conservative on offense. But then they also have to realize it's Pacheco, Rice, and Kelsey. It's those three guys mm-hmm. are your bread and butter. you got to get them the ball. And and none of this happens if it's not for the development of Rice, the way he progressed through the course of the year. Yes. And to me, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, a healthy Travis Kelsey. Yeah. 
How different has he looked to you in this postseason compared to what we saw at that point in the season? Uh, um, he looks like a different player to me. And when I say a different player, like everybody has to deal with nagging injuries throughout the course of the year, right? And fatigue. I go back to that last, that week's, which is week 18, but the, the week's, the 17th game, right? Out in L.A., he only needs 16 yards to get another 1,000-yard receiving season, right? They could have got him the ball two times in the first drive and probably got that over with. But he chose to go ahead and sit that. That extra week of not having any kind of contact whatsoever, because I say, we say it's easy. They could have got him the ball in the first drive twice, and he right. gets it. All it would have taken is one catch. Yeah, okay, maybe, but maybe it doesn't, right? Maybe it goes yeah. a little bit further. That extra week of rest for him I think was huge. I think he knew that. I think the Chiefs knew that. But I also think that, you know, we talked about complacency when I've been in here. You know, this team all year long is like, we'll, we'll get that fixed. We'll be ready to go. Yeah. Right? I think there is a part of that mentality like, okay, this, this, this organization, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, your best players and your greatest competitors know when to step up in the biggest moments, right? They know the intensity is higher in the playoffs. They know how to, quote, turn that on. Now, not everybody can just flip a switch. And I'm not saying this team can just flip a switch either because that was the biggest concern all year for me is, like, they start sitting around going, we're just going to flip the switch when the playoffs come, you know, type of thing. But he's looked like a completely different player. He looks more fresh. Uh, I also say this, too. You know, later in the season, Andy Reid really backs off in practices. A lot of those practices sometimes are glorified jog-throughs and walk-throughs. They know how to take care of their veteran guys. Uh, you know, I just thought Kelsey looked tired for, you know, yeah. that November-December stretch just looked tired and fatigued. He looks fresh. I will also say this, like, when you're moving the football and you're winning games and you're doing stuff, you kind of tend to look a little more fresh, yeah. too. You it's know? like a baseball I'm team. I'm not saying he yeah. doesn't feel yeah. the same as he did before. Yeah. But it's a lot easier for those frustrations to be more visible with your emotions and everything else, too when things aren't going as well, right? And and you're a competitor because you want to win and you know what it takes to get there. So, I, I don't know. He, he, the amount of success that those two together have had in the playoffs is just unfathomable to me, right? Because you start looking at who they've passed statistically here over these last couple weeks – the Montana to Rice. Now, Rice also had a lot with Steve Young, too. In the, in, right? Yeah. There's a little bit of that, okay, on some of that stuff. But but what he has done as a tight end, receiving yards, like touchdown, reception-wise in the postseason is just unreal. And, and, you know, like you start seeing in the playoffs a little bit of, quote, extra effort. And, you know, the first fourth down catch – they ran sprint ride option, the play they've run all the time, and, and Tony Romo brought this up. He's the last read on the backside. Okay, he's the absolute last read. Mahomes throws it to him. He, he goes up in here and catches it. Great catch. But the one where he had to dive like Across almost like the, five yeah. yards, you know, yeah. ball, I can't remember if the ball was tipped or what happened, but he just he went and got it. Like those types of extra effort plays win you ball games and and the greatest players and the greatest competitors know how to do that when and when the moment counts and and he's been able to do that Travis Kelsey over his last 12 playoff games 12 playoff yes. games 
104 catches, 1178 yards, and 13 touchdowns. Not a bad regular season over See, 12 I, games, right? I, I just it's ridiculous. 12 playoffs. It's games. ridiculous. And if you factor in who they were playing against the best competition, absolutely. The, but it's just in this game, the number one ranked defense. Mm-hmm. If you think about the level of difficulty of some of those catches, the touchdown, the fourth down catch, the third down catch that included the scramble and him going into Superman mode. Yep. And the importance of those catches. Again, the fourth down catch that led to the touchdown, the importance of the Chiefs landing the first punch, hitting the Ravens in the mouth and seeing how they react. And then that drive that, that you know, to extend that drive with that uh, third down catch. I mean, if, if you're going to take a game when he goes into the Hall of Fame and and, and 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 show this is what Travis Kelsey was all about, that might be it. You, you factor in that, you know, he didn't look like the Travis Kelsey of old during the regular season. Um, people doubted him. People doubted the team. The team was, was was an underdog on the road. That might have been his finest performance. Yeah, it, it's it certainly might have been. And and I want to get into this a little bit later too. When you talked about the Chiefs landing the first punch, right? And because we all know the Ravens' running game didn't show up, and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. And I, I have some reasons I think that happened too. But the the overall performance, and you talk about it being his finest performance. I think. He brought up all the stats on, on over 12 playoff games, what he's done and how good he's been. But And I know recency bias may come into this, but I, I'm in almost 100% agreement with you, Stephen, that that might have been Travis Kelsey's finest playoff game as a Kansas City Chief. I, I think, uh, you know, I've I, I listened to Jeff Chidia and, and Stephen argue about the Tony Gonzalez versus Travis Kelsey thing, you know, all this time. And to me... This this whole season, what he did in week 18 to sit out that game mm-hmm. instead of go for a regular season record, it, it illustrates something, Stephen, I think you've said about in a lot of sports. What you do in the postseason should be weighed more heavily than what you do in the regular season. Now, if you have one great postseason, that's one thing, right? Like, okay, he had a great postseason. Maybe he just kind of got hot, you know, or whatever. But this dude has all kinds of regular season accomplishments, and that part is important because you got to have a good regular season to get to the playoffs. But to me, that decision, I, so many people just assumed he was going to play because he's only 16 yards, and this is a this right. is a legacy ceiling, Hall of Fame, you know, this is the type of thing that goes on your Hall of Fame plaque and all that stuff. And the dude was like, that's not nearly as important as what I'm about to do in the playoffs. And I do think, like, you, those numbers, you're talking – I think I just saw it. He's played the equivalent of a full season in the postseason. Now, he's at 17 games, 1,500 yards. Yeah. This isn't a small sample size. And one of those like, oh, games he went out in the first half with a concussion, right, against the Colts <laughs> yeah. back in the day. And, and that, and that ruined the game. And that crushed and that the game. Ruined the game. That's why they I They would have won that game That's had he not gotten hurt. Yeah, yeah, I mean, his – yeah, it's not just like he's putting up stats – in, po- in playoff games, he is winning. He is playing winning football. Those those conversions in the first half, those two conversions we talked about, phenomenal football. 
It's just like, I, I don't know. I don't know if you think I'm making too much of that, Mark. But to me, that shows everything. Of, like, the guy might be flashy. And he might like to get a, a attention and the things that he does on his podcast. But he knows that the postseason is where his real legacy is made. And, and he showed that with his actions this year. I don't think we're making too much of it. Because I sat there and watched that game on Sunday. And those two catches, you know, those conversions, things like that. You just sit there and go, this is what Travis Kelsey does. Yeah. You know, and he will drop some passes from time to time. We know that. Mm -hmm. You know, it happens. Um, But the consistency with what he has done, when it matters most, right? Again, the greatest competitors, the greatest players of all time rise to that occasion and, and want the ball in their hands. Whether it's a basketball player whether it's a baseball player that goes, I want to be up in this situation with two guys on, two outs, and I'm going to come through with the base hit or the home run, whatever it may be, right, to mm-hmm. to to advance this and keep it going. Like, the best players rise up in those occasions. And I, I sat back on Sunday and was just amazed at, I think, number one, the level that he played at, but then the emotional level. Because you guys know this, and we talked about this a little bit, like when he wasn't deemed to be playing well, right, toward the that December time frame. He looked tired. Everybody's like, are all the distractions getting to him? You know, all these things. Every single guy in that locker room has distractions right now, okay, whether it's their family, whether it's, you know, you got kids. All, all There's distract. Every one of them has some sort of distraction. It's what level of distraction that is. Mm-hmm. I, I do think, and, in, in, you know, Travis has said this publicly, like you got to compartmentalize um, all this stuff, right, as – Compartmentalize. I can't even say the word right now. What is going on? John Cocktoast. Yeah. yeah. Compartmentalize. Compartmentalize. There we there go. go. What's going on? Um, all that stuff, right? And and channel it all. And that's, again, he's got the ability to do that. And I think that, you know, there are rare things where certain guys can flip the switch. You know, it, it's not always off. First of all, right? It's like the dimmer switch. Now you're like halfway. Now you just ride, you know, you turn the lights all the way bright. And both Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have that ability to do that. And then as a combination of those guys, well, watch out. We have Mark Boerichter in studio. Uh, and one more, uh, you know, thing on Travis Kelsey. Um, what a great leader he is, yes. right? Yeah. And what a great motivator. And what a great teammate. I loved him throwing Justin Tucker's helmet aside <laughs> and getting his crap out of there. Yeah. I I, <laughs> uh, first, I got a text message from somebody that that knows what was going on. And it's Justin Tucker trying to explain it away, all, you know, all in good for whatever. No, it wasn't. Patrick Mahomes got pissed off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes got pissed off, and then Kelsey was pissed off about it. Yeah, and so now Justin Tucker's like, "Oh well, hey, hey, we were just—it's all in good." For, no, no, maybe to him it was, but, but it irritated Patrick Mahomes. Gamesmanship, and okay. it irritated Travis Kelsey. And if you're doing that before the game, that makes you a dummy. Yeah, real dumb. I'll tell you, I'll real tell you. dumb. Well, I- <laughs> I, I, I say this too, okay? It's all gamesmanship, right? Like, people don't see this a lot, but you know who the worst offenders on that stuff are? The kickers. Well, because they have, they want to warm up on both sides, and there's an understanding, okay, between the kickers, usually in teams, like, 
We're going to warm up over here for a little bit, and we're going to kick from both sides, usually before guys get out here, but sometimes, you know, it overlaps a little bit. But he's just sitting there, like, doing some lunges, like, on the ground, talking while they're going, like, it always cracks me up, and I'm, if Lawrence Tynes is listening to this, I apologize, man, but... Um, Don't. Like, the last thing you want to do... I was having this conversation yesterday with somebody. The last thing you want is your your kicker out there doing that, okay? Because he's not on the field and having to deal with all of it, right? For the most <laughs> he's part. He's right, and check somebody else is going to have to And catch. Justin Tucker is one of the greatest percentage kickers yeah. in the National Football League history, okay? Yeah. He's a really, really good kicker. But you always used to laugh at guys like that. You're like, why is our kicker out here doing this? You know, it's, it's different if... We saw the pregame was chippy anyway between one of their defensive backs, right, and and or and all that stuff. That that it was kind of gamesmanship. But the last thing I'm like, when are people going to understand you don't poke the bear, right? Like you don't poke Patrick Mahomes, you don't poke Travis Kelsey because they're going to they're going to put a clown suit oh, on you. Man, I you love watching it. that. That's the part to me. Like, like why dude. those are not the you're not getting in their head. <laughs> it's not going to work out well that for was you. Awesome. We've got Mark Bowrichter in studio back after this on WHB. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. So there was a story of redemption for MBS in this game. And searching for storylines, I started the show off talking about the injury to Charles Amenehue, the torn ACL. So no Super Bowl for him, and that sucks because not only does he miss the Super Bowl, he misses the Super Bowl against his former team. And we had talked to him last week, and he and he had, you know, expressed how excited he was to get another crack at a championship game, his third, uh, and, and hopefully making it to his first Super Bowl. He helped. He, he You know, he played a good game until he got hurt. And so if they win a championship, he's certainly part of it. Uh, but this team was 5-1 and one without him uh, during his six-game suspension. And so they have had plenty of experience this year playing without him. Uh, but, man, what an opportunity. And I don't know if it's going to, you know, if he's going to directly benefit from it, but I'm just throwing this out there. I think I know where you're going with this. King Felix, yep. FAU. Yep. He was taken in the first round, and we saw him getting some playing time while Amenihu was suspended, and he lost those snaps when Amenihu came back. He's been a healthy and active throughout the playoffs. I would think that he would gain yeah. a, an opportunity and at least be active on the roster. I've seen crazier things. He was he was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year for a reason. He was taken in the first round by the Chiefs for a reason. Every now and again, he'd show some, some, some flashes early on in the season, but then... It's, it's, hey, look, he lost his snaps to Amenihue when he came back. Mm-hmm. Now you've got two weeks to, to get him ready. This draft has already produced Rasheed Rice, who's their best receiver. Wanye Morris stepped in when they needed him due to injury, and he played well. And look how well Shamari Connor played when he stepped in for an injured Mike Edwards, and he's, he's played good football. Now... They spent this first-round pick, more anticipation of, of next year, but here we go. What are the chances that 
FAU after being a first-round pick and then being a, a healthy and active the first three games of the playoffs can step in and at least make some type of impact. What a great story that would be for a hometown kid. Oh, it would be. I think, you know, number one, <clears throat> you kind of laid it all out there to begin with. He was getting some snaps early in the year before Omenahue came back, and those took his snaps away. And... You know, it's been extremely quiet on his front. I think this is, and I think this, when they drafted him, you know, he is not the biggest guy, right, for a defensive end. Um, And when I say that, like, very lean on things. You can always put on a little bit more weight is where I'm going with this. And so I think this has always been kind of a developmental year for him, right? they, They had the ability... With Mike Dana coming back off the year he had a year ago, George Karloftis coming in in his second year, and Chris Jones, you know, from a pass rush standpoint, and then you brought in a Menahue, right? Like, I think, you know, you weren't going to see Felix just come in and all of a sudden light this thing on fire. And very few defensive ends do, okay, <laughs> to begin with, um, in terms of rushing the passer. And we saw that last year with George Karloftis. It took all year, you know, down the stretch a year ago, he was – he. Be- came who he is now in terms of getting comfortable. This has been a developmental year for him. Now with the Menahue out, there's a golden opportunity for Felix to come in. And I'm not saying it's going to be 30, 40 snaps, you know, type of thing, but to come in and rush the passer and get an opportunity to play. He will be in uniform, I think, this or not this Sunday, but next Sunday when the Super Bowl is. And, and he's going to be the next guy up. Um, you know, the other portion of this is they move Chris Jones around a lot, you know, he hasn't just lined up inside at the defensive tackle position. You've seen him in wide nine techniques. You've seen him on the left side and the right side. Part of that sometimes is him just going over there and doing it. Um, they've been able to mix and match. You know, one of the areas that they might get Felix some rushes is in inside in some pass rush situations because I don't know if you want to line him up out there on Trent Williams, <laughs> right, at left tackle. I don't know if that's the matchup you want with him. Um but they're going to need him uh, for the Super Bowl piece. I, when I saw the Menahue injury happen, the first thing I thought was ACL when I saw the replay. Just because I was knee buckled. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever torn an ACL or you've seen a lot of those happen, I was not going to be one of those people that diagnosed it on a, on Twitter, right, or anything else. But that's the first thing I thought, like, that's an ACL. Um, so I, I'm, I feel really bad for him. And... It sucks if any guy gets hurt in this, you know, a championship weekend and all of a sudden you can't play in the Super Bowl, right? It's something you've been working for all year. But, and he made big plays, went for this team. And he's made some huge plays. And obviously the strip sack on, on Sunday was big. But it's the next man mentality. And FAU is probably the next guy up. And C-Spagnola does a great job of rotating those defensive linemen anyway. Like, you know, they kind of have what they called their NASCAR package back when he was with the Giants. I think they still kind of call it that now here where they'll mix and match and put some defensive ends inside working against guards uh, and centers because they're a little quicker. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what they do game plan-wise here against the the Niners in in two weeks. Um, The... I guess to, to stay focused on the defense for a second... Um, the play by Justin Reed when he blitzed and they picked him up in the backfield and he just like swam right around the guy. Mm-hmm. Remember that play? I, how much, like, do you feel like he's been underrated? 
I mean, I, he's, I feel like he started to get a lot of love in the postseason, but through the course of this year? Or, like, what, what I guess your overall thoughts on just... He's underrated because he told someone on Twitter to guard these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I... I think he gets... Oh, I don't know if he's he underrated. <laughs> I think he gets overshadowed because... LeJarius Sneed is an all-pro level player, right? Yeah. He wasn't a, technically an all-pro. Trent McDuffie was an all-pro. Um, those two guys get a lot of the love uh, because they're in coverage. Safety's a lot of times as much man-to-man coverage as the Chiefs play. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean they're always in man-to-man coverage either. And, you know, one of the things that the Chiefs do a lot is mixing and matching in their secondary as well and asking those guys to do different things. And so it's not always, quote, Justin Reed coming from the secondary on a blitz. It's Trent McDuffie. It's Josh Williams sometimes. It's Ajarius Sneed. A little less this year than previous years. But Mike Edwards coming on a blitz. Because they mix who's coming in certain situations, those guys are all asked to do different things. And so when I say that is sometimes you're seeing Justin Reed make tackles 15 yards downfield. Mm-hmm. Right? And... Those, to me, are some of the most underrated tackles because he made one in the game the other day that was kind of the left. It was about seven, eight yards downfield, but he doesn't make that tackle to touchdown. Right. right. Like, that's the thing that when you are a secondary player and a safety, you have got to tackle well because obviously you play in a position called a safety, which is you're the last line of defense yeah. in some situations. But and sometimes that means getting run over and holding yes, on to the guy's you, leg. Yes. It's not you a might get tackle. trucked and yeah. run over, but did you get him down? Yeah. And. You know, when you play in the National Football League as a safety, and, and these days it's changed a little bit, but you used to have, you know, quote, the strong safety and the free safety. And the strong safety is kind of your run stuffer that's going to play up in the hole all the time, or at least force the run. you got to be able to – when you identify run, you got to come flying up there and make the play. And, and he did that on the edge the other day, right? He got down low, and I – the tackle missed the block, to be honest with you, because Justin Reed was actually getting low to take on the, the tackle or whoever's pulling. But he made the play. you got to be able to come in and stick your nose in there and get physical. And that's one thing about this entire secondary, I think, that yeah. is underrated, is how physical they are in the run game and willing to stick their nose in there. It's an attitude and it's an effort thing. And, you know, Justin Reed doesn't have a ton of picks. He's not, you know, the flashiest of players. He's just a good, solid player that gets the job done. And I think that's why you look at it and say – Maybe he's underrated, but I think it's – I don't think his name gets thrown out there enough because it's almost – I don't want to consider compare him necessarily to Joe Tooney, okay? We never heard Joe Tooney's name all year long. <laughs> I, we were joking on the pregame show on Sunday. I was like, I don't know if we've mentioned Joe Tooney's name the entire season on the pregame show. Until he's not going to be – Until he's not in the lineup <laughs> yeah. because he's that good. And, and I'm not comparing Justin Reed at that level, right, type of thing, but – if you never hear about guys sometimes and they're out there every single week and they're make, they're just doing their job, like that's the foundation of your football team. You just said something that made me think about this, and maybe you guys covered this. I'm sure you did yesterday, Stephen, but I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on it, Mark. The, the number of personal foul penalties against the Ravens. Now, I know the Chiefs have the refs all in their back pocket. You know, that's part of the deal. Look, we, we know they, that. Yeah. They, they want us to win. Yeah, we know that. Uh, but... Did, what did you make of I mean, it looked to me like like the Chiefs were up for a fight in the game, but they just looked like they were so much smarter about it. Did you try, Was that the Ravens trying to see if they could get in the heads of the Chiefs, or was that the Ravens not understanding how to handle the the uh, moment? What did you make of all that? I think that, number one, the, the, the MO and the backbone of the Ravens is 
they can throw the football, okay, first of all. Um, but the background of that organization everything is a big, strong, physical team. They yeah. play in the AFC North, which is traditionally old school, run the football, hit people. ground and pound a <laughs> yeah. little bit, right? They're still going to throw it a lot, but it's... It is. It is. It has the reputation. It's not a finesse yeah. division in the National Football League, for ba- lack of a better way to put it. It's always been that type of mentality uh, up there. So their their team is built around what they have to do in their division all year. Just like everybody in the AFC West is trying to build their rosters to try to beat the Chiefs, you know, type of thing. It's been their mentality. The Chiefs came in, and, and I said this on the pregame show, like they have, they were not physical a week ago against the Bills early in that game. They weren't physical enough. They, they made a statement and came out in this game and said, we're going to be the more physical football team. And, you know, I said this on the pregame show too. All the pressure was on Baltimore, right? The Chiefs are kind of playing with house money here against Buffalo, on the road. All the pressure is on those guys because they got Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs coming in that haven't been able to do this on the road yet. Number one, because they haven't had to. <laughs> but in, in I think the Chiefs just came in and said, we're not going to be pushed around. We're, we're phys- we can be physical, too. Offensively, we can be physical. Defensively, we're underrated as how physical we are. And they came in and punched them in the mouth. And then the other portion of that is you saw when you frustrate a team like that, it's it's very similar because you're almost it's it's almost like these teams are going here we go again, right? The Chiefs are here again. Here we go again. Like all the pressure is on them, and it's not going the way you want to, and so you start getting a little frustrated. Kelsey did a good job of baiting to get a to get a pretty soft personal foul penalty, <laughs> right? But he got it, um, and then laughed about it, of course, right? You know, Zay Flowers just a rookie, inexperienced guy who. Beat the Jerry Sneed for a catch, shoves him on the chest on the way up, and it wasn't like he was using a brace him to get up, and then drops the ball basically on his head and the stands are in flex over him. That that's honest that's textbook taunting, right? There's on that piece. And then, you know, the one late in the game, uh I was actually in agreement with Tony Romo. I think they were trying to j- jump off sides, to be honest with you, to reset you know, take time off the clock here, let him get the first down, we can reset a I don't think they meant to to get another personal foul penalty by completely blowing him up, but I think that's just adrenaline and going, okay, I'm going to take a shot here at the guy. It was a good decision to, to jump off sides. Yeah, it, was it was a bad decision to, do what to he get did. the 15-yard yes. penalty because yeah. at that point field position is meaningful. Absolutely. That's, that, that was a the mistake there. And I think the other portion of this is... And there was also that roughing the passer on Clowney. Yeah. Well, yeah. that was definitely roughing the passer. His helmet hit Mahomes right in the chin. And it was way after he got they rid of the They repeatedly ball. lost their composure yes. in a yes. number of different ways. And it's and the I'll chief pressure that putting that on them to do that. The, the, the offensive coordinator lost his composure. Oh, yeah. So, so Yeah, that's the whole thing. The coaching staff, because so, Harbaugh said, I, we're going to make sure right? he feels but this is This is what I said last week. Show them some adversity. Give them that oh, God moment. Oh no, we're in the second half against Kansas City and we're down. Why are we down? We're down two scores. It's only 10 points. They acted like they were here's, down yeah. 21 points. And here's what happened with that, okay? I know there's been a lot of talk. This is pretty easy. As a, as a defensive coordinator, you want to make the other team one dimensionally offensively, right? The Chiefs obviously were able to do that, okay? To me, the Ravens get the football to start the game, they go three and out, right? The Chiefs get the ball. And go on what? A seven minute drive? Boom, boom, boom. 80 boom, some boom. yards? Yeah. Right? Methodical, 
kick your ass type of drive the entire way, convert, you know, when you don't think they're going to convert, they score. Okay? They took a ton of time off the clock. I'm not a huge time of possession guy when you look at the stats sometimes. But you look at the first half and how that went. Because the Chiefs' next drive, they went on a nice long drive also, I believe it was. Okay? And the Ravens only had the ball for like four minutes, and the Chiefs had it for like 14 or something crazy. 10 plays, 88 yards, 16 plays, 75 yards. The first drive took almost six minutes. The second one took over nine minutes. So, yeah, that second one, too, was the yes. third longest drive in Mahomes' career. Yeah, and so right off the bat, I know that they were down. The Ravens were down. But what the Chiefs did methodically, offensively, and ty- again, I'm not a big time of possession guy. But if you're Todd Munkin and you look at that and go, we only had the ball twice for like three minutes total, and the Chiefs are driving down here, we got to figure out a way to score quick, right? That's what also made them abandon the run game, was what the Chiefs did offensively. Obviously, Steve Spagnuolo did a tremendous job defensively, and the defense did great. But what the Chiefs did offensively by, quote, embracing themselves, right, of who they are now offensively, they took some shots down the field, obviously, in some situations, but just matriculated, to, to borrow Hank Stram, they matriculated the ball down the field on those two long drives, and that that's what broke the Ravens. Yeah. That's what switched the mentality of the Ravens to go, okay, we're going to do this. And you also look at the one drive down the end, like, should they have challenged the Kelsey? Did he lunge, you know, for the first down? When you look at the replay, it didn't look like he got it. But I thought they should have challenged it there. But then they went. I had no problem with them going forward on fourth down because the Chiefs were going to bury the Ravens if they scored there, by the way. A touchdown? Yeah. I mean, I, I – I think they would have buried them if they kicked the field goal. It's a three-possession I, 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 I do, then. too. Okay, I, I do, too. I think they, they should have done that. But what I didn't like is they seemed to rush the fourth down call, right? They seemed to get to the line quick and be in a rush where I thought, you know what, you have three timeouts, Andy. You're winning this thing right now. Go ahead and challenge us. At worst, you get a timeout and you can decide what you want to do. Uh, two possession game, by yeah, the way. I was, yes. uh, it yeah. would have been, a, but it yeah. would have been like it just felt like if they get up by two scores on this Ravens team, in which they ended up doing anyway. That was the only time, like for me, I, I did want them to kick it because I don't know. Like anyway, they it worked out, so it doesn't it doesn't matter. We'll be right back after this on WHB. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What are your early thoughts about this matchup against the San Francisco 49ers, Mark? Uh, I like it. I like it. I think the Lions laid out a blueprint in the first half that Andy Reid and Matt Nagy and that entire staff have to be salivating over. Um Jake and I were talking about this before I got on air. You watch that first half of the Lions-Niners game. A lot of similar stuff that the Chiefs ran against the Niners a year ago, okay, out in San Santa Clara. When they whipped that ass. When they did, and they ran a lot of – there were some jet sweeps involved in it. There were some counters. There were some things that influenced Bosa on the edge, right, whether – you were sending a tight end to block him, or and then he leaks out in the flat, whether it was misdirection stuff, to slow down that pass rush. And you watch the Lions in that game. They did a lot of that uh, with Chase Young on the other side, too. Quote, stealing the edge, getting those guys to come inside quick and then beating them on the perimeter. Um, you know, I think part of that was borrowed from the Chiefs from a year ago, uh, but it's what the Chiefs do, you know, fairly well also. It's an interesting matchup. The, the, the Niners have such a really good roster. Um you know, across the board. The weakness is their defense, though. 
Um, I think their defense gets a little too much credit sometimes. They're, they're really good, don't get me wrong. But um, they've shown over the last couple of weeks that, that they can be beaten. There's a major meltdown by the Lions in that game. Um, but here we sit with the Niners and Christian McCaffrey and, and Brock Purdy's doing great things. And, and you know, he's played, had a tremendous year all year long. But he won that game on Sunday with his legs, with a few of his scrambles. Um, not that he didn't win it with his arm either, but he had some plays that, that he used his legs to to get some first downs for them to keep drives alive, and that was, to me, the most impressive part. So now you got to you know account for that a little bit too. What's your gut tell you? Uh, I don't know. We can talk about this next week, but I I, I want it now. You want it now? Like this um, early, you know. Yeah, when when you when you see the matchup on paper, you had to get I, some I, kind of I'm, feeling. I, I'm 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 fairly confident. Because I got a feeling. I'm fairly I'm fairly oh. confident in this. I'll say the same thing I've said the last couple weeks with the Chiefs going on the road against the Bills. The Chiefs going on the road against the Ravens. All the pressure to me is on the Niners. Okay, I know. All, all the pressure to me is on the San Francisco 49ers in this game because there's going to be all this talk over the next couple of weeks about, quote, the rematch from, you know, the 2020 Super Bowl, 2019 season. Different quarterback now. You know, the Niners, I think, feel better about their quarterback position than when Jimmy Garoppolo was quarterback in them. Um, but they also have more weapons. But this Chiefs defense is so much better than it was that year, too. Um, so right now I'm feeling pretty confident. Steven. As well you should. Yeah. Is Chidia coming in today? He better. Oh, yeah. Good. Good. That's right. I got some words for him. Mark Bogart. Every, every week he makes with... fun of me. I'm, I'm waiting. I got I'm words. You got words. Yeah, I'm words. waiting for him to come in in his Chargers right. gear today since his oh, Messiah wow. is now the head coach there. Well, Jake, let's get to that break so we get Jeff Chidia in here. <laughs> That's uh, former Chiefs wide receiver Mark Bowrichter. Coming up next from NFL Network and NFL.com, Jeff Chidia right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB.